to say it's all behind us now, but Husker Harvest Days is but a great memory for 2017 now. And we've got the whole crew back in place here and ensconced behind their appropriate microphones. Started off with Joe Gangwish over here on my left flank. Hey, you know, we're going to talk about Husker Harvest Days. In case you missed the big announcement yesterday, there's changes coming next year that they are very excited about. They're going to do some improvements. We'll hear from Matt Youngman one more time with the Husker Harvest Days. And with all the heat and strange weather we've had this year, is there a concern for aflatoxin in the corn crop? We'll get an update on that in Ag News at 1213. Our weekly visit from Al Dutcher, Nebraska Extension Climatologist at 1219. He talks about a La Nina possibly reforming, also a cool down is coming boy it's been warm this week hasn't it it has yeah late summer is that in no not <laughs> quite <laughs> also we'll hear from the national director of communications uh, talking about the grange in their 150th year they just wrapped up their nebraska convention last weekend also fridays in the field will be susan with dave warner from boone county talking about maybe a delay in harvest in store because of mother nature and how we got a l- late start this year so crops might be coming out late all right that's it now. Sound like a bunch of guys down at the cafe. Sure is dry. <laughs> yep, sure is dry. Use some rain. That's right. Could use some rain. Yep. Need better markets. <laughs> Could use some sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, we'll talk college football. There's a lot to it to get to. Nebraska looks to try to bounce back tomorrow at home against Northern Illinois. Nebraska will be shorthanded. About three starters will be out. Also, there's been a nasty flu blood flu bug going through Lincoln kind of affected the university's teams they had to cancel a soccer game earlier this week and some of the football players have caught that as well I didn't know that made its way into the sports world it, it did so I know well, some people who are pretty sick yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, <touch> on all of that also the Husker volleyball team will be in action later on this afternoon at 430 as they will take on K-State Nebraska is involved in the Omaha Challenge Omaha or UNO. They don't like to be referred to as UNO anymore, yeah, but Omaha yeah. is hosting these matches at their arena, so we'll touch on that. And UNK Lopers tomorrow afternoon will try to stop one of the longest winning streaks in Division II history as top-ranked Northwest Missouri visits Kearney. Uh, the Bearcats won 32 in a row. Wow. I don't know what Brandon Bennett's is going to do. I don't know. <laughs> He's torn. He's the Loper. He's a bear cat. That's right. He's, he's both. Stop. The streak ends here. Huh? The streak ends here. It'll be newsworthy if it does. <laughs> That's right. Bob Brogan <laughs> with business. Well, we've got lots going on, and let's get to it. Uh, tech industrials leading U.S. stocks higher. Also, uh, employers stepped up hiring in six U.S. states last month. Uh, meanwhile, Nebraska's unemployment rate remained at 2.8% in August. So we still are one of the lowest unemployment states in the entire U.S. of A. Good to know. So that's uh, kind of a a good thing, I guess. Uh, Consumers cut back on their shopping in August by the largest amount in six months. And it won't be long now until Christmas. So uh, we'll be getting more information about that. Uh, And in the meantime, like we said, uh, the unemployment rate uh, tends to be trending lower in Nebraska, so we still enjoy that uh, low unemployment rate. We'll have more business news coming up. It's okay to put the Christmas decorations out now? Go ahead. Hey, <laughs> hang it on your tractor or whatever you want to hang it on. I'll, I'll take that as you to take mine down from last year. It's all coming up for you today on Midday.
Paul Perkins is in here now, and you've been promising us, promising us this cooler weather now for, I think it's something like 27 days, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It, just hold on, it's coming. Just hold on, it's coming. When winter <laughs> arrives, you know. <laughs> That's a slow-moving thing, but I guess it's... Uh, it's been good for the crop overall, I guess. We don't need a lot of rain. At this yeah, point. exactly. It's finishing up the crops right now. The seed actually probably needed in a few locations, especially since the month of August actually pretty cool. But we do have a cool down on the way for the weekend. Brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. Here's Paul Perkins. Most of us on the warm side today of a cold front. Then it's moving into northwest Nebraska, spreading some cloud cover over northwest and north central Nebraska right now. A little bit of rain as you head into uh, southwest South Dakota. Temperatures right now 59 currently in Shadron. That compares with some low and mid-80s as you head towards the central and east part of Nebraska. And as warm as 88 already in the Beatrice area. Also a little bit of light rain, mainly over south-central and southeast Kansas. And also a fair amount of cloud cover over central and east Kansas, holding the temperatures down. But most of us right now in the upper 70s to low 80s. On our way to some 90s in many locations. Thunderstorms are possible as that front finally begins to push to the southeast tonight into tomorrow. It's just kind of lingering in northwest Nebraska right now, but we'll get a better push and move southeast tonight into tomorrow. Could see a few strong or severe storms, but not having to worry too much about much in the way of severe weather with the passage of this front since we don't have a lot of moisture to work with. Tomorrow and Sunday, going to be much cooler behind this front. That front will stall out over some eastern and southern locations for a lingering chance of thunderstorms for tomorrow and tomorrow night. Otherwise, we'll see an increase in thunderstorm chances late Sunday into Sunday night as that front lifts back to the north as a warm front. Then we'll see that return of above-normal temperatures, but only in the 80s next week, as opposed to the 90s that we've been seeing of late. A cold front on Wednesday also cooling our temperatures just slightly. Our latest long-term forecast now trending warmer than normal for the temperatures in Nebraska and Kansas Wednesday through September 28th. And for reference, late September daytime highs in central Nebraska usually average in the low to mid-70s with overnight lows. On average, in the upper 40s, Nebraska and Kansas forecast to see above-normal rainfall Wednesday through the 28th, so we are headed towards a more active period. The Climate Prediction Center says now that there is a 50% chance of the Pacific Ocean waters cooling to La Nina Valleys by December. That prompted them to issue a La Nina watch yesterday. The La Nina watch may get the grain market's attention. A La Nina from November to January usually means subpar crop production in Brazil and Argentina. If La Nina continues into the U.S. crop year next year, crop production could be lower due to some drier conditions. Weather factors driving the markets include mostly favorable conditions for the Midwest, rain from the northern plains and some rain across the winter wheat belt in the distant forecast. A pair of winter-like storms are tracking across the northwest U.S., and that will result in some cool weather, significant precipitation, high elevation snow, and a variety of benefits, including a boost in soil moisture, but mainly in the northern areas of the U.S. That will improve the prospects for recently planted winter wheat in the northern plains and also a reduction in the wildfire potential. Rangeland and pastures should also benefit from this increased amount of moisture that will eventually spread as far east as the central plains and the Midwest. The Midwest continues to benefit from favorable conditions from filling and maturing corn and soybeans. Any damage in cold weather still at least the next 10 days away, so the Midwest looking pretty good for any cold weather threat and should be avoided once again in the next 10 days. The rain in the northern plains and more possible next week will be unfavorable, though, for the maturing crops 
and likely delay their harvest efforts. Soil moisture has been diminishing in the southern plains during wheat planting. Rain, though, will be needed for pre-winter development. There is a chance of that rain in the next 6 to 10 days from now, but right now it's an uncertain chance. So that's really a thing, a La Nina watch. Right? Yeah, yep. They, they, they did issue it yesterday, a 50% chance of La Nina forming. So uh, that could, um, once again, yeah, subpar crop production in Brazil and Argentina mm-hmm. and maybe in our neck of the woods next year if it does persist. Okay. Well, we've got that to look forward to. Thanks, yeah. as always, Paul. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you need, whether anytime. It's at krvn.com. Get an update of ag information. Joe Gangwish here on the Rural Radio Network. The U.S. Climate Prediction Center, a division of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, says the Pacific Ocean equator temperatures have at least a 50% chance of cooling to La Nina values by December. According to CPC, they issued a La Nina watch on September the 14th. In issuing this watch, CPC details noted an emphasis on subsurface cooling in the equator region of the Pacific. The Climate Prediction Center placed a 55 to 60 percent chance of La Nina forming during the northern hemisphere fall and winter and southern hemisphere spring and summer of 2017-2018. The La Nina watch may be getting the grain market's attention. La Nina's existence during November, January, January has a high correlation to subpar crop production in southern Brazil and Argentina. And should La Nina continue into the U.S. 2018 crop year, the implication is that production could be lower. Parts of Kansas and Nebraska have had more than normal precipitation, while others are in abnormally dry to moderate to drought conditions, and that brings concerns for aflatoxin. More on that from Susan Littlefield. And it's because of those hot, humid, and droughty conditions where aflatoxin is typically found in corn. Dave Warner is with Top Crop Ag Services out of Albion, Nebraska. You know, this dry land especially, um, you know, we, we got drought stressed really hard, and in those days of July were really, really hot, and this corn started to turn. And then we got this big rain the 1st of August and greened that corn back up. We, we could have some aflatoxins. And, you know, in our area, around our area, we aren't seeing as much really droughty dryland corn as I see coming south here and going east. There is more. Kansas State Research and Extension says at this point they haven't had any positive samples of aflatoxin in corn from elevators to date, but others have found it on ear rot at levels not seen since 2012. Now there's reports of concerns throughout Nebraska and Kansas. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Well, if you missed yesterday's big announcement from Husker Harvest Day, show manager Matt Youngman announced to the Rural Radio Network some big changes coming for next year. The show is uh, 40 years old This with this show, and the infrastructure is kind of starting to show it. If you look at the power poles, some of those kind of things, it, it's time for an upgrade. So we've been working hard with some engineers out of Lincoln to put together a package which would allow us to set this facility on a good footing for its next 40 years. You know, if we can get the right partnerships put together with our partners, partners here in, in, in the Grand Island area. We hope to do a pretty in extensive $7.5 million upgrade. Youngman says that would include paved roads, new electrical distribution, a security fence, and new public address system. And he says they hope to have it completed by next year's show.
A top Trump trade official says he wants to inject a sunset clause into the North American Free Trade Agreement, resurfacing one of the administration's most provocative trade ideas and drawing a swift rebuke from Mexican and Canadian officials. U.S. Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross said yesterday the Trump administration supports a provision that would require the country's leadership to make an affirmative decision to sign up for another five years. NAFTA already allows a president to give a six-month notice of intent to withdraw from a deal, a mechanism President Trump considered triggering earlier this year. The Canadian and Mexican ambassadors in Washington quickly voiced opposition to that provision, saying it would undermine the certainty that businesses need to invest across borders to reap benefits from NAFTA. Lots more ag information on the website. Go to RuralRadio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It's time for our weekly update of the weather with climatologist Al Dutcher. Some locations, Al, last month didn't even touch 90. This week in September, we're in the middle of a multi-day stretch of 90-degree heat. Are there any signs of a cool-down on the way? There certainly is, at least temporarily here, as we watch this system moving through the upper Midwest, basically, and then Pacific Northwest, with this upper air low swinging through winter storm warnings and the high elevations from Montana through north-central Wyoming. So energy moving around that upper air low will have the ability to trigger some thunderstorm activity. The thought is, is that we will see some thunderstorm development as we go through the late afternoon overnight hours across northern Nebraska. Some of those at initiation of the thunderstorms may be severe, but it doesn't look like we'll have a widespread organized severe weather outbreak. And then that system starts to push toward the southeast, uh, probably stalling out somewhere from northeast Nebraska through east central Nebraska, and then try to make that push tomorrow as we go into the prime heating. We'll probably see thunderstorm development once again in east central southeast Nebraska, rapidly moving out of the region. That'll bring some cooler air in from that upper air low over the northwestern United States. But then we quickly see the warm air return back into our region as we go into the early part of next week. That system slowly migrates across the northern plains, and so pieces of energy will pivot out of that trough. And, and uh, we, of course, we're watching the tropical system coming up the Baja Peninsula to see if it gets pulled up into that troughing pattern and, and gives us an additional moisture source. But right now, the models kind of swing it over into the southern plains, leaving our region basically without that monsoonal moisture feed. However, because of the timing and slow movement of this upper air low across the northern plains, the models are a little bit suspect in exact timing of thunderstorms, but it does look like we will have some active thunderstorm activity off and on during this next seven-day period, and then another cold push of air pulling into the northern plains with another reinforcing upper air low as we go into next weekend, bringing some very cool weather to the northern plains. The question is, how far southward will that sag, and will we see some hard freeze conditions across the Dakotas and possibly? some isolated pockets in Nebraska. It's probably going to take a few days more a model runs before feel comfortable making a call on that simply because this upper air low is moving so slow. In the long term, could we see any signs of a La Nina? Yes, and certainly that's the one thing that has got my attention the last couple of months to be watching this cold pocket in the equatorial Pacific continue to expand, and now we're seeing depths up to 600 meters in the central equatorial Pacific below the surface with below normal sea surface temperatures with the peak of it running 6 to 10 degrees below normal. This is likely to develop into at least a weak La Nina event and it wouldn't be surprised if we approach moderate stage how quickly it's developing. 
With that being said, the, the normal prospect is is that we would see a recovery of some of the drought regions in the northern plains, not a complete elimination, but we certainly would see an aggressive precipitation pattern in most La Nina years across the northern half of the Rockies. Conversely, as we start to look to our south, these are the types of patterns with these La Nina-type conditions where we start to worry about the implications for drought, particularly in the wheat crop. So we'll be watching with keen interest to see if we start to see an expanding dryness area develop to the south of Nebraska. And my major concern is is that there's an area of south-central Nebraska through southeast Nebraska that has been trending dry the last couple of months. And we've actually seen a little bit of expansion this week in terms of moderate drought conditions into southeastern Nebraska. We always look at this area as a precursor to potential drought problems for the following growing season. So subsoil moisture and these systems kicking out are going to be important players over the next month, month and a half, because we want to see good subsoil moisture recharge to kind of stave off some of those concerns for abnormal dryness if it does develop in through the spring period. That was climatologist Al Dutcher. I'm Paul Perkins on the Rural Radio Network. It's midday on the Rural Radio Network and time to check sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Eric. Well, the Husker football team will host Northern Illinois tomorrow as Nebraska looks to bounce back from last week's loss at Oregon. Tomorrow's game will kick off shortly after 11 Central Time in Lincoln. Another action tomorrow, 18th-ranked Kansas State plays at Vanderbilt. That's a 6.30 game. Iowa will host North Texas. Iowa State's on the road at Akron, and KU plays at Ohio. UNK gets a chance of trying to match up against two-time defending national champion Northwest Missouri. The Lopers are 1-1, one and one, while the top-ranked Bearcats are 2-0 and, and have won 32 in a row dating back to 2014. UNK continues to try to find its way running their triple option offense. Head coach Josh Lynn says they still have some things to iron out. Sure, you know we're starting to you know we're starting to move the ball a little bit. I think the uh, you know the problem some of the some of the problem was the other night is we'd get going and then we'd have a penalty kind of set us back and. Uh, you know that comes with consistency and establishing and maintaining drives, and you know that comes with with executing. Now the Bearcats feature a defense that's giving up just seven points per game. Kickoff tomorrow and Carney is set for two. And the Wayne State football team won thirty-three to fourteen at Minnesota Crookston last night. Wildcats massed four hundred and seventy-three yards of total offense. They'll return home next Saturday and take on Minnesota Duluth. The Broncos are finalizing a one-year deal with veteran offensive lineman Ataba Rubin because defensive end Jared Crick is facing possible back surgery. Rubin started every game the last two years in Seattle after spending his first seven seasons in Cleveland. The Seahawks released him just before the season. Crick, the Kozan native and former Huskers, started 15 games last season but has been out with a bad back for several weeks. The 10th-ranked Nebraska volleyball team is in Omaha this weekend for three matches at the Omaha Challenge. Nebraska plays Kansas State this afternoon at 4.30, followed up by matches tomorrow against Northern Iowa at noon and Omaha at 7.30. And the record-breaking Cleveland Indians try for their 23rd straight win when they host Kansas City tonight. Cleveland already has set the AL mark for the longest winning streak ever and now owns the second-best success string in Major League history. Next up is the all-time record of 26 in a row set by the 1916 New York Giants. Trevor Bauer starts for the Indians tonight. He's won nine straight decisions. Kansas City will counter with Jason Vargas, who's 15-10 on the year. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network.
Mostly cloudy tonight in Nebraska with a chance of showers in the panhandle through the night and a chance of showers in northern and eastern Nebraska as well. I'm Dave Schroeder. Shadron police are investigating a report alleging hazing involving Shadron State College students. A letter dated Wednesday from college president Randy Ryan tells students and staff that Police are focusing on an off-campus incident that was portrayed as an initiation rite between members of the wrestling team. He also says the college is conducting its own probe. Ryan says the alleged violations would violate team rules, college and system policies, and perhaps even state law. His letter didn't provide specifics or names. The Shadron Police Chief and other college and law enforcement officials have declined to comment. No arrests or citations have been reported. Billionaire investor Warren Buffett's son is to become the interim sheriff of a Macon County in central Illinois. Macon County Sheriff Thomas Schneider said in a statement that he's retiring early ahead of an election next fall for his replacement. Howard Buffett has been a Macon County undersheriff since 2014 and has completed more than 3,300 hours of patrol and training. He said in the same news release that he looks forward to serving in a broader capacity. Buffett is to be sworn into office this afternoon. Officials say he's to immediately begin full-time office hours as sheriff. In Kansas, Butler County authorities say an explosion that destroyed a rural home and critically injured a man was caused by a propane leak. The home near Rose Hill exploded Monday. KAKE-TV reports a 67-year-old man suffered severe burns. Andover Deputy Fire Chief Mike Roosevelt said investigators are sure propane caused the explosion but are still investigating the exact ignition source. Propane is a common home fuel source in rural Kansas. A family member said the injured man remains hospitalized in critical but stable condition. Kansas officials worry there could be technical problems when a long-awaited multi-million dollar computer system for issuing and tracking two million driver's license records launches next year. The Kansas Department of Revenue plans to launch the computer system in January. The department attempted to introduce the vehicle registration system in 2012, but had performance problems. Issues included computer malfunctions and long lines for customers. Replay the game, the program, the interview, or feature you missed by catching a podcast right on the front page of KRVN.com. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. Celebrating 150 years, this year the Grange says that they are focused on a national perspective of getting more involvement from the younger generations. Amanda Lee Bronzarios is a communications director on the national scale for the Grange. Absolutely. I think one of the things that uh, is interesting about the Grange is we started in 1867, you know, to bring together this fractured country. Um, after the Civil War, and obviously farmers were the majority of folks. And so we're in a political time now where we're fractured again, and I think that's, that's very interesting that we're mirroring in that way. Um, and one of our earliest issues was about connectivity or uh, basically rural equity, you know, making sure that the folks out in the farm and field could have rural free delivery of mail and then you know rural infrastructure like streets and roads and things and uh, rural electricity and rural telephone and now of course today we're dealing so much with rural broadband that Nebraskans know a lot about the needs there 
and our president serves on the FCC's Broadband Develop, uh, Deployment Advisory Commission. So um, some of the things that were so important that, that were at the heart of our start starting point are now things that we're working with again or seeing again and, and trying to work with again. Amazing how things have taken a really full circle. When you talk about being there for, for information when it came to mail, now you're looking at information coming via the Internet. Yep. And there's so many areas that are still starving yep. for the Internet. And those things, you know, the same arguments that they were making for rural free delivery of mail are some of the same arguments we're making today. You cannot expect to be competitive in the business world if you don't have rural free delivery at that time. Now rural broadband, you can't be... Um, you you have the ability to have your prescriptions, you know, and and medicines given to you, you know, through delivery. Although that took a long time, but you know, same same here. Health medicine, health telehealth, um, is really important, and education. So all of that stuff is full circle. And a neat opportunity for you guys to be able to expand, yeah, and, and tell more people about what the Grange is all about. Yeah. So the one thing that I think is really fascinating is last year we showed um, a membership, a growth in membership. Um, since the 1950s, almost every organization like us, you know, fraternal organizations, membership organizations that have those community roots where people meet and sit down and, and have these type of um, events and things, they've been declining in membership. We're just not generations that join anymore. We have so much going on. And yet last year we saw this increase in membership for the first time nationally in decades. And a lot of that, I think, is not just the fact that agriculture is, is so starving to make sure that they have a place at the table in rural, but also that people are really getting reinterested in where does their food come from because they're so far away from farm and field. What are some things that you guys are doing to help keep that membership increasing and introduce more people to the Grange? So we've done, you know, outreach in our what I call our typical fashions, you know, telling people about the Grange when they walk into our halls and walk into our events. But we've also started doing some kind of different things um, besides investing a little more in our website and making sure that people know where to find a local Grange. We started grangeradio.org, uh, so we have an online radio station. We um, have started a magazine, quarterly magazine, called Good Day that while it has a lot of Grange in it, it has a lot of just good stories about people being, you know, good neighbors, good stewards of the land, those type of things. Um, we've also done some outreach at events. We're about to do Farm Aid uh, here in Pennsylvania next week um, and just gone to some of that type of stuff. And then the, the last part is the way that we see uh, membership is, you know, butts and seats, as I call it. But we know that a lot of people are... Uh, you know, transient and, and what have you. And so e-membership was something that was introduced several years ago, and we've tried to make sure to introduce that to especially areas where there are no granges right now um, so that people have the ability to support what they care about in agriculture um, without having to commit the time if they don't have it right now. Reaching out to the younger generations, yeah. how do you guys do that? Super important. Um, we have Junior Grange. It's actually 130 years old next year. Um, so it's older than Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. They're 5 to 14, and then our subordinate, our normal uh, membership age is 14 and up. We do uh, some coordination, obviously, with 4-H and things like that. But some of our granges, especially here in Nebraska, we have one uh, in Omaha that does amazing things with the 4-H kids or with kids at elementary schools. Um, and they're teaching kids about, you know, agriculture in 
even though most of these kids have a better understanding than, let's say, you know, folks who are in D.C. or something like that about where food comes from and what agriculture is and looks like in all of its different forms, they're just really helping those kids focus on something that, that they see as important. So if somebody out there wants to find out more information about the Grange mm-hmm. or the Junior Grange, mm-hmm. how do they go about doing it? Um, so National Grange has a website, www.nationalgrange.org. Nebraska State Grange has a website, nebraskastategrange.com. And then they just started a Facebook page as well uh, for Nebraska Grange, which is frankly easier for most people to keep up. And so I think for Nebraska folks, that's going to be the thing to look for is the Facebook page that will have some of that information. The latest in the Grange from a national perspective. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Back on the Rural Radio Network. Joe Teal of Great Plains Commodities unavailable today. Today we saw feeder cattle futures posting strong gains. The front end holding uh, some triple-digit gains towards the end of the session especially. And good buyer support. Now, in live cattle, we also settled with some triple-digit gains, but it was the lean hogs that quickly saw sharp gains as short-covering activity had developed today. And the October lean hog contract finished $1.95 higher, and so did December. And that, it was, uh, I guess, uh, notable because October settled above the $60 mark. All the nearbys holding those triple-digit gains throughout much of the session. The volume, however, was generally light. In the cash market activity, packer inquiry seemed to be slowly improving over the noon hour. Most packers were bidding 166 on a dress trade, 104 to 105 on a live basis, but we have not received uh, any word that uh, some uh, movement had occurred yet today. Yesterday, about 5,000 head sold in Nebraska, and that was generally at uh, 167 to 168 on address trade, but really not enough to test the trade. Well, the total cattle slaughter through Saturday this week has been estimated at 642,000. Of course, last week we had a holiday, but it's still 31,000 more than the same period one year ago. And hog slaughter for The week through Saturday, estimated at 2,432,000. That'd be 64,000 more than the same period one year ago. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. Well, good afternoon. It is Fridays in the Field once again. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Dave Warner, of course, farms up by the Albion area in Boone County, but we've been keeping an eye on some fields outside of Petersburg and anxious, ready for harvest, but the crops aren't, correct? You know, the the beans, Susan, they're, they're starting to turn now. You know, we're getting uh, days that are getting shorter, and so the beans are really starting to turn. This corn, however, is is behind. You know, we don't have a we don't have a lot of corn in the area that's black layered yet. So, you know, you got to figure thirty days after black layer is when we get in position to harvest. So, you know, we're we're kind of in uh, that fifteenth to twentieth area of October if we would black layer. You know, by the weekend. You know, there is also some corn around that is way late. That's in that dent to quarter milk line so 
you know, we could be pushing November on some of this corn. I think really we're going to be looking at getting these beans out early. They're really like rapidly, you know, getting done. You know, getting close to harvest, and I think we'll be sitting unless the wet corn guys, you know, want to combine some. But uh, I think for dry corn, we're going to be sitting a while waiting. That is not what producers want to hear because they're not used to having to harvest late October into November because then you got the fear of, of snow. Well, you know, August didn't really give us much of a help on, on maturing this corn. You know, we sat there all month without any 90-degree temps, and a lot of them were in the 70s. So this corn just sat there. You know, we went through 10 days, actually, with doing nothing. This corn stood still. It didn't mature really at all. The diseases kept coming, you know, and it kept using water. But we the, the plant itself just did not physically mature. You know, like I said, August was not much of a help to us. We, you know, we, we've got a lot of things going for us you know right now is that we got a lot of kernel fill out of of august you know with the drought that we were having and and in my opinion we're still having we we were moving this corn along too fast early with the heat and was getting really worried that we were going to have shallow kernel depth you know august took care of that we really got elongation on the kernels it looks really good uh, a lot better than i really thought we would be you know coming into august end of august is first september now but um there's just a lot of a lot of variables that could happen between now and, and harvest time too. Let's talk about those soybeans because they've been such a struggle until the month of August. Is there so, some hope for you? Well, you know the beans, the, the pods from last year to this year are way off. You know we we don't have near as many pods this year as we had in the years past, and that's Mother Nature for you. I mean, she just we just were not getting the right kind of temperatures. That the heat in July really hurt us a lot on the beans. Um, yes, August was a good thing. We could be a lot worse off if we didn't have a cool August, you know. And you talk about the beans, Susan. We we go from needing the cool weather for the soybeans, but we also need the heat for the corn. And so it's, you know, one you know or the other, it's going to happen. You know, it would be nice to have a variable where we're in the mid-80s all the time, and, and it's good for both. But, you know, we just didn't have that happen. So, But these beans, I, I think early beans go in in April, and they just did not come and did not come. The cool weather really slowed them down and then we didn't have any rain after may and they sat there a lot of these dry land beans did not really progress i will say this on both crops on beans and corn when we get into harvest guys are going to have to realize and go back and remember what we went through at planting date comments from dave warner out of boone county our fridays in the field this week i'm susan littlefield on the rural radio network Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network, reviewing the grains trade today with Mark Hendershot for John Payne. And he's with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. We're going to start with this soybean trade today. We had a NOPA crush report that came out rather rather positive for price. Nevertheless, we finished lower. Can you explain? Yeah, um, you know, we, we started this week Tuesday with that report, and, you know, we started the week at about 9.37, and this thing rallied back big, I think, on, on the fact that there was some yields coming in that weren't as hot as what people thought, and we ended about 30, 35 cents higher on the week, and to, and to think Friday wouldn't be profit-taking day for these, some of these high-speed headline traders is 
is is just what you need to expect on a Friday here. So right, and we're getting to the point. Well, today was the end of a trading week. At the same time, next week I would guess the trade does focus on yield reports even more, don't you? Yeah, I got a bunch of yield reports here today, so I'm sure we're going to hear more next week. Um, our ho- our hope is we, you know, they, they're, it's not going to be at that 49.9 that the USDA is saying, and they're going to come in a little bit lower, and that's going to hopefully breathe a little life into this soybean market. But if 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 we don't hear yield down just a little bit, I wouldn't be surprised to see this thing, you know, start to give a lot back here. All right. Now, analysts are also increasingly looking possibly to the weather in South America, aren't they? Yeah, Brazil's dry, Argentina's wet. That's That's been the theme here. It's it's Nothing's really changed on that front. Mm-hmm. Mark, did you find as well that corn was kind of a follower to the wheat today? It's been a follower all week to the beans. Um, um, today, it, it definitely followed corn. It's a, it's a very light volume day. Nothing really happened. I would bet that after... The first four days of this week, a lot of traders went home early over the weekend. We got a lot of guys gone out of the office, obviously, since mm-hmm. you can tell that. So, um, what did you find out about wheat today when we gain on uh, Kansas or Minneapolis? Uh, the, there's got to be a lot of spreading going on. Kansas City wheat right now is definitely, you know, it's gaining leaps and bounds over Minneapolis, and I think Minneapolis is just a. It's there's a lot of week longs in that market. And they're going to get flushed out. It, it's going to be a good buy here one of these days. I don't know when exactly it'll be. It'll probably be sometime like late December, January, February, March time frame when the protein is really in, in high demand. So, All right, thanks. Mark Hendershot with us from Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go find more by going to danielsagmarketing.com. Dewey Nelson reporting.